Hi, listeners. I just wanted to give everyone a quick content warning. This episode deals with slavery, human trafficking, and slipping a drug in someone's drink. So if that is something that is going to be difficult for you to listen to, know that now before you go any further. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast, where two strangers who met on the internet get to know each other while watching one of their favorite shows from their childhood. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And Laura, I have to ask you, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? Yep. I'm starting to regret this bit that I made up, but we'll <laughs> we'll keep going because I did think about it this week. I really Good. did. Yeah. And, you know, among many things that I am, I am a fan of the work of Kurt Vonnegut, the author. I don't yeah. know how much you've read. Um, Cat's Cradle. That's it. Okay. Interesting. It's sitting right next to me somewhere. I got interested in Kurt Vonnegut when, oh, sometime in high school. I heard about the banned books list of the most commonly banned books from libraries, you know, and mm-hmm. they're all stupid, stupid reasons, mostly people being afraid of things they don't know. Yeah. Or things they don't understand. But it, one of his books was on there and it was Slaughterhouse Five. Mm-hmm. So that was the first one I read, but it's not my favorite. I'd have to say that my favorite is Breakfast of Champions, which he wrote about kind of processing his mother's suicide and his own mental health. And that really resonated with me since I came from a family that didn't really talk much about mental health, but maybe needed Mm -hmm. to, as did all of us 90s children, I think. Yeah. I'm not alone there. But one of the the quotes that he has that is actually not from a book I've read, it's from Mother Night. And he says, you know, he says a lot of things and he has this voice that is very 20th century and very smart, but still relatable. Very, Mm -hmm. very just casual way of speaking that spoke to me a lot. And he says that we are what we pretend to be. So we must be very careful about what we pretend to be. Hmm. And I I really resonated with that idea because I feel like a lot of times I am walking around life pretending to be something. Not in a false way, but like I'm trying things on. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying on ideas and personas. And I think we all are, whether we acknowledge that or not. And he's reminding us that we need to be careful about those ideas that we try on. Yeah. <laughs> because some of them are dangerous. But so when I was thinking about the question, I was thinking about what am I trying on right now? Like, what are things besides podcasters? <laughs> Right. That I'm trying on because this is my first attempt at a podcast. And one of them I'd have to say is that I'm a Minecrafter right now. Since yeah. My, yeah, since my son is, since he was four, we, you know, he's had an iPad because all kids these days do. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah, it's one of the things they get. Mm-hmm. 
and my husband put Minecraft on his iPad. And because he is an only child, we do play with him a lot because he doesn't really have anyone else in the house to play with him. So Minecraft was something that we could do with our four-year-old that would also be interesting to us. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of like kids' cartoons or kids' games aren't particularly interesting or challenging for an adult. Yes. Not having children, but having nephews. <laughs> well, and a niece now, too. I understand. Yes. Like... I've watched way too much kids TV that is meant clearly for children. I loathe Blippy. Oh, I have the, never seen Blippy. Yeah. Don't. He's the, I mean, yours is probably too old now anyways. He's yeah. for real little ones, but yeah, Blippy is the fucking worst. Just... <laughs> yeah. I, I feel sorry for everybody that got really stuck on Baby Shark. That's one that's. <laughs> yeah. That's, Ooh. that's, that's in the zeitgeist. And yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. And all kids definitely go through that where they really like something repetitive. Owen went through a phase where he would watch, you know, the same movie. He could do it two times, three times mm -hmm. in a day. But his movies were always interesting thing. Like his first movie was that he really got into was Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Which I I thought when I was showing it to my two-year-old, he was going to be frightened. And he just loved the hell out of it. And awesome. So at least it was like, well, this is a really well-constructed musical that I can sing yeah. along with. And, and, but circling back to my point was <laughs> that Minecraft is something we can do as a family that doesn't also make Aaron and I die a little inside. And it's, it's what you make of it. It's, it's such a sandbox. Like you can be as complicated with it as you want, or you can just mm -hmm. chill out and dig holes and build houses and have cool worlds with your friends. And yeah. I, I have a lot of my friends play Minecraft. And I mean, maybe it's because I work in IT, but like <laughs> different teams have their own servers and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've gotten into that whole community around it. We, we have some YouTubers that we follow that they have, they're on the Hermitcraft server, which is a big mm -hmm. Minecraft name. If you're, you know, really interested in that community. Um, we actually, <laughs> I feel silly saying this, but we actually bought Owen a Christmas present that was like a piece of swag from one of his Minecraft YouTubers because mm -hmm. we actually, you know, some, some of them, it's like anything on YouTube. Some of them are not as polished or, you know, just not your vibe because anybody yeah. can publish what they want. Right. But we found the set of YouTubers that it's like, oh, I feel okay with my six-year-old son watching these people. And I feel like they're a good influence and a creative influence. So we'll watch the new Hermitcraft episodes together as a family on Friday or Saturday. And we'll spend, you know, a whole afternoon on the weekend just playing Minecraft together. Or we play Minecraft Dungeons, the new dungeon crawler game that they came out with. And that one is super fun because everybody loves the dungeon crawler, right? But it's got that cute Minecraft style on it. And it just keeps the whole world fresh. And I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm trying to get used to the Xbox. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I did not have video game consoles when I was a kid. And I've always played on PCs because my parents were like, we've already bought computers. We're not going to buy, <laughs> you know, the console yeah. too. So getting used to a controller 
especially when the folks at Nintendo put their A button in a different spot than the people at Microsoft. <laughs> oh my God, that's the worst part of it. But I'm slowly becoming a, not just a Minecrafter, but a little gamer. And I'm really enjoying it. It's been a very good diversion for this sort of time that we're in. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that you found something you can do and do it as a family. That's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And especially, I mean, Minecraft is, you know, it's very creative. You know, it, it does uh, it does have a lot of artistic leaning. It's awesome that it's something that you can do together. I've never touched Minecraft, never played it once in my life. I don't have anything against it in particular, or even the genre. I played a lot of Terraria. Oh, which see, was, I don't know that name. <laughs> it is a contemporary of Minecraft. It's 2D and was PC only, at least when it was put out, when I was playing it. And it was kind of, they kind of came out around the same time. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, yeah like digging and mining and building stuff and farming recipes and mm -hmm. yeah, all that. Yeah, Minecraft has really had a resurgence in the last few years. Like I know that it was around about when I was in college, I think. Yeah. But I wasn't interested in it at that time. And I really think that something, you know, in their development, they've really brought the game back and it's, it's really popular right now. Cool. But yeah. That's one of the things I'm trying on right now. Minecraft. Awesome. <laughs> and speaking of like what we pretend to be in life. Oh, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this episode is chock full of interesting ideas around that, isn't it? <laughs> It sure is. Let's go ahead and get into uh, season one, episode three, Born to the Purple. Mm -hmm. and it's episode four, if you count the pilot. Um, right. I found it doesn't on some things and it does on others. So Yeah, my streaming service is counting it as number four. I watched on Vudu this time because I couldn't get my, my HBO Max is only on one device and my Wi-Fi wasn't working on that device and I didn't have the time to troubleshoot it. So I just watched it on Voodoo. So no super detailed stuff from the background for me for this episode because <laughs> I'd watched it in standard definition. Well, I'll try to um, give you, if if I remember anything, I'll get you some some good ones. Yeah. So before we get into this episode, mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge at the end of last episode, <laughs> we were talking about this episode like, oh. It's the one with the Trazi and the green and the purple is what I thought this yeah, episode was. Yeah, me too. And that is actually season two, episode three. Mm -hmm. So it's the same episode, just next number, just next season. If I haven't checked the data files on your people, and it turns out this stupid contest of yours lasts just one cycle. The Trazi week is six Earth days, so in four days. <laughs> What's so funny? Cycle not Trazi week. Cycle is Trazi year. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if um, that was constructed on purpose. I mean, I would not be surprised. The name of that episode is The Geometry of Shadows. Yeah. Which but this, the could title... have been an episode for this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The title of this episode definitely would fit on it, that episode. Yeah. But that is, uh, yeah, that's not the one. Mm -hmm. So. Not the one. Not the one. <laughs> not the one. That was on purpose. This episode opens. And I had a good chuckle at the opening just because the music and the shot of Babylon 5 are a little bit incongruous to me. And I'm sure that that was intentional. Uh, and I was ready. I came in here again, you know, me, I'm ready to like 
rough this thing up and laugh and and make yeah. jokes about it because this music is not good. And it's not. I tried to find what song this was. It is <laughs> not a normal song. Like it's not a real song. Right. We it have is. this clip, and it's in a couple of episodes. And I can There's barely more? make out the words. Yeah, it comes back. <laughs> like all music in Babylon 5, it is overused. Oh, good. Um, good. Because there is no music budget for this show. It yeah, just doesn't say, exist. You don't want to pay the musicians too much. Except um, for, the, for the opening themes, which, of course. So, yeah, we're at the Space Strip Club with Malari. Yeah. And some generic synth wave. And I, <laughs> I came into this laughing at the synth wave, which is not good. And then I, did you, did you catch what the opening line is? No. The opening line is set me free. And I went, God damn it, you bastard. Because that's sort of a foreshadowing for this episode, isn't it? It is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it 100% is. Yep. And so we're in the, this uh, space strip club and Sinclair and Jakar show up to talk business with Malari. And mm-hmm. Malari and Jakar kind of get buddy buddy here uh-huh but i have to he, one of them says in all things in life are females not the finest <gasps> and i have to full stop at this moment right now mm-hmm. like record scratch females is gross yes it mm-hmm. always has been gross it always will be gross mm-hmm. and dear listener if you're listening to this right now and you're like Saying females isn't gross. If you're someone that says females, mm-hmm. I have an honest question for you and I need to know the answer and I need you to email me the answer because I know the answer already. And that's, have you ever said males in the same context once in your life? Because I promise you haven't. If not now, you will thinking about it to spite me. And then I'm okay with that because then at least you're not being weird about it. Saying females is creepy. Don't say it. Just women. There's mm-hmm. another word. You can you can sit, call a person by their name. Like mm-hmm. oh, there's all kinds of options here. It's gross. It's gross. Anyone who calls women females can go fuck themselves. There's there's this instance, and you think about if you think about our Star Trek universe, who mm-hmm. else routinely that you can think of calls women females? Is this a female? A human? Well, it's the Ferengi do it all the right. time. And there's lots of things about the Ferengi that are not supposed to be admirable. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there there are very admirable moments for certain Ferengi, like you think about Nog and his character development in Deep Space Nine. Uh, but for the most part, they're not something to aspire to in a lot of ways. Agreed. And that reflects here. And that was our first nine to five moment. Play the drop. Play the drop. <laughs> if we got to, we got to work it in. It's too good to not work in. I want to know what the hell is going on. Love yours. Come, never got me a damn thing. Don't turn your back on me. Don't you even try to walk away from me. Just who the hell do you think you are? If you have something to say to me, say it. Now get the hell out of our galaxy. Nine to five. That's a Um. <laughs> and Jakar fucking toasts Malari over this sentiment. Oh, like yes. he didn't kidnap his nephew two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> he's forgotten episode two just entirely. Yeah, completely. Everyone has apparently because mm-hmm. 
neither of them should be comfortable with this situation. And here we are. Yep. And then Kodath shows up, who is not Natoth. She is not Natoth. <laughs> and I know you were thinking, is he going to say Natoth? And I thought about it, but it's, it's too close. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all. <laughs> After my not Vanifa bit, I figured, mm-hmm. there, I brought it back. I found a way. I got mileage out of it outside of the pilot. I'm happy. That's all I was going for. Damn, damn. I feel sorry for Kodath being stuck in the scene with this big midlife crisis energy. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, ooh. Someone comes up and hits on Kodath, Kodath, and it's, hey, hot spots, want to play scan the sector? Worst pickup line ever. Like, why did you think that was going to work? Like, scan the sector is clearly innuendo, right? right? Right, But I can't tell you exactly what it's innuendo for. Like, I've got some guesses. There's some conjecture. It could <laughs> be a couple of things. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, want, I want more. I want to know exactly what the goal was here because maybe we'll make it less awkward if I know the goal. <laughs> No, no, I don't think you're it right. will. <laughs> you're right. It probably won't make it less awkward. Yeah. Yeah. This guy clearly, he's clearly new to Babylon 5 and clearly knows nothing about the Narn. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I mean, he didn't, maybe he's not on the list. I don't know if uh, Narns are on the approved list. It's, I don't think that's something that's ever really addressed. Yeah. I really want to see the list now. We need to know. Right. I need JMS, tweet us the list. We need to know. Give us the show Bible and show us the list because that's got to be in there. Yeah. So Kodath almost rips that guy's face off, which is great. Yeah. Deserves it for sure. And I can think of many a time I've wanted to rip a man's face off in a club. So there we go. Yeah, just apologies for the record. While I don't feel I'm personally responsible for any ire there, I have been drunk in public before. So I'll just go ahead and own the possibility that I might deserve to apologize. Well, that's very generous of you. But anyway, Kodath almost killed this Uh, dude. Pulls Jakar away, and then Londo goes back to his room, and uh, the dancer from earlier is there waiting for him. and. I've got some questions about this. <laughs> One, we're assuming time passed and that she didn't transport from the stage to his room. Uh, sure. Like, yeah, time passed. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I want to know how she got in there. More specifically, I want to know if she got in there through Veer. Good question. And I want to know Veer's reaction to this situation. <laughs> Because that's a scene I feel like we deserved. Yeah. I'm it's sure like, it was very embarrassed. <laughs> like, you have to let me in. And he's just like, Veer face. <laughs> and just doesn't know what to do. Do you think Veer was hanging out in there when she knocked? And she had to kick Veer out? I mean, the alternative is he somehow given his key to this woman. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a big breach of security. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the first we get in this episode. Or well, it, w- it would be the first we get in this episode of others. <laughs> That's true. There's a few. We go to theme. We all enjoy the theme. And then when mm-hmm. we come back from theme, uh, we're in a meeting room where mm-hmm. Veer has a handheld video game from the 90s. I was um, going to call it a Game Boy. 
<laughs> yeah, so, stolen strength from my childhood, complete with holographic stickers on. Young gravy trading cards, all holographic. Yeah, I had like one of these exact, like, square with the little screen in the center. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a bunch of random games that they were. I might have even had a Star Trek one. I think I did. See, I has, I've already established that I wasn't allowed to have video games outside of a PC, but I. I do know the exact one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And Veer leaves his video game to go get Londo. And Talia mm -hmm. leaves with a headache from too much strong emotion in close proximity. We cut back to uh, Londo and Adira. We've learned her name before Veer gets there. And they have a uh, conversation that is probably the least skeezy conversation in the episode. Yeah. Which is saying something because it still doesn't feel good. I remember uh, listening to this and I had to pause to see when Monica Lewinsky and that whole scandal was in relation to this. Oh, that is something I, I didn't think vibes. of. I got some vibes there, but it was four years before. It is entirely projection on my part. It's almost like men in positions of power using that for gain over women. Is a timeless thing. What? No, you're ridiculous. That's <laughs> never happened in the course of human history. I'm trying really hard to sell sarcasm here. I feel like a lot of my sarcasm is facial expressions. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really trying to put it in there, listener, so that you know that that was I, sarcasm. I can see it in his face. He's being <laughs> sarcastic. You. I appreciate the clarification. Yeah. Londo has a line in here, too, that made me laugh a bunch. I'm just a washed up old Republican dreaming of better days. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. I also want to congratulate the vice president-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Veer finally gets through. Londo calls him a moon-faced assassin of joy. Yes, <laughs> a classic so, Londo. So rude, but so perfect. So rude. So, so descriptive. Yeah. Just and then we get introduced to our B storyline. Yes. Which is, which is not the fuck. Yeah. Not, not the, the B, B storyline story I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Right. I, this one started and I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going. And this isn't fun. <laughs> no, no, Whoops. this is not the fun B storyline I was hoping for, for Ivanova. It's great backstory. For sure. We get yeah. more impressions of, of why she is who she is and, and the mystery that is back there for Ivanova, but not light material. We get introduced to this by Garibaldi is in CNC, and he notes to Ivanova that someone has been using Gold Channel com traffic unregistered. Mm -hmm. Gold Channel is ultra-secured communication for use by senior staff and ambassadors only. Mm -hmm. so there's something going on and Ivanova is very dismissive yes like oh it's just a gremlin mm -hmm. and I kept thinking the whole time every time we cut to this B story I was like this all could have been avoided if she just said something to Sinclair about hey I'm mm -hmm. going to be using Gold Channel I have a really good personal reason yeah and Sinclair could have said to Garibaldi, knock it off. <laughs> yeah, but that's not her way. That's true. That's true. A lot of 
Ivanova's initial character development is suffering in silence and learning that she doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. We we have to get her to a point so that way when we hit season three and are introduced to our favorite ranger. Yes. That they can interact on a better level. Because right now, if Marcus were a character in this show at this point, Ivanova is not ready to interact with him. I'd say that's totally fair. I was just thinking about it. And this this Ivanova is more closed off than I remember. Mm-hmm. And very much has some boundaries up with coworkers that I don't yeah. remember. I love that when we get back to the conference room and Londo has showed up to be antiquated and patronizing, the Narns are about to break that Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are ready to break that Game Boy for... Sure. But if it's anything like the 90s technology, it might be indestructible. Yeah, you can bury Game Boys and dig them out like 15 years later and just turn them on. Yeah. Just not even like shrink wrap them or anything. After this, we get to meet Trachis. And I heard his voice. It was like, I know that voice. Yes, I had the same reaction. Did you Google him? I did. And I thought, man, they really pulled out the stops for hiring guest actors right at the beginning of this season one. Like, yeah, they put some investment into these bit parts. They do that throughout. Like, that's, that's true. That, yeah. That's a that's definitely a line through the whole series. So Trachis, yeah, he's a real that guy. Um, mm-hmm. I knew him mostly from Star Wars video games, where he's a ton of Imperial officers and a General Dodonna in the X-Wing series, which is like one of my like, cornerstone games of my childhood is x-wing on pc and so i like i heard this voice i knew this voice and was excited he was also uh sir guy of gisborne and tng mm-hmm. and then he was the original emperor in the empire strikes back and see that's where i remember him from because my father being a cheapskate mm-hmm. Self-proclaimed cheapskate. What I had to watch Empire Strikes Back on was a Laserdisc. I don't know if you remember that. But we had Laserdisc for forever. So I didn't see the remastered originals for a long, long time. Like maybe might first have seen the remastered ones a couple of years ago. Okay. So that's one of those things that I had watched it over and over and over again. Like there was a summer in middle school where I probably watched a Star Wars movie every day. Nice. <laughs> because I was that obsessive child. And when I watched the remastered ones, I could tell you exactly what changed in those movies. Mm-hmm. So I recognized his voice from Empire Strikes Back. Did you Google anyone else in the episode? Because you know, this I led me down an IMDb rabbit hole. Oh, no. Take um, us there. And Dira huh? is in a movie that you've seen. I bet. Are I'm willing sure? to bet, listener, that it's a movie you've seen. Okay. Um, listener, maybe not me. May, probably you, but definitely listener. I feel okay. like anyone who's listening to this podcast has watched this movie. Okay. That includes you, I guess. You're maybe. editing. You listen to the podcast <laughs> in a manner of speaking. We'll try. Um, a, a certain Michael Myers film from the 90s. He was spy. Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. I have seen those. 
She is a, a wild vagina. <laughs> In the first Austin Powers movie. <laughs> yep. Do you think she's been typecast? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. That's kind well, of a joke about uh, a Centauri genitalia, but... <laughs> You won't if you're if you're watching this for the first time through, you won't get it till later. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's uh <laughs> there's a surprise coming your way about the Centauri. <laughs> Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> we can't laugh now because we find out Adira is a slave. Right. Seriously. Like straight up slave. And is Trachis is her owner, I mm -hmm. believe is the preferred nomenclature for Centauri slavery, and that Malari's family has a book of secrets with dirt on all the royal houses of the Republic that can just crash their entire government down. Yeah, that's some pretty, pretty serious secrets. Yeah. Which, I mean, we've already had a reference to something so terrible that Londo's mm -hmm. uncle or grandfather did to the Narn. And it's just like, what could be so terrible to these people? Right. But there we are again talking about it. And so we find out Adira is going to betray Londo well before it happens. Right. And we see Londo, Londo in love here. He brings a bunch of LED flowers made from those plastic rings that hold six packs together <laughs> and uh, gives her a familial heirloom. Yes. And we find out something about Babylon 5 that I never caught on any watch through before. I don't know if it's only referenced here or what, but they talk about the best restaurant on the station is called Fresh Air. Uh -huh. And I fucking love it. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. And like, it's in the garden. It's like in the garden. Yeah. And it's, you know, a breath of fresh air mm -hmm. when you're in this canned environment. I just, uh, it's so good. Like someone deserves some recognition. Whoever named that restaurant in universe is mm -hmm. like A plus work. It's also interesting that the nicest restaurant where you can breathe, just breathe nice air. Just yeah. fresh air is where the rich people would go, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> I was kind of wondering if it was going to be like one of those oxygen bars. I don't know if you remember that fad. Yeah, I do. I do. Never tried it. Me either. But I remember it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, I got, I got air right here. Like, <laughs> Right. Let me go pay for air. Excuse me. God, I hope we don't hit a fucking libertarian utopia like that there's there's your novel air, right <laughs> someone listening to this podcast is very mad at me right now and dear listener if you are very mad at me about calling having to pay for air a libertarian utopia i want you to know very personally you can fuck yourself yeah yeah i'm not gonna defend you listener nope. i'm sorry I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed four episodes of our podcast goodbye mm -hmm, you're still you. with us now we can get to the good stuff <laughs> so in college i saw bill nye bill nye the science guy oh nice he was like on a speaking tour and this is before uh -huh. he had like taken his current slant with his tv show i don't know if you saw his new tv show on netflix it's very much like that and he started his show at central by like saying a bunch of controversial things if you don't particularly believe in things like evolution or like science or science in general, right? <laughs> and he, he went off on a bit of a tangent and a bunch of people left, right? Mm -hmm. And this is how he started the show. 
And he pissed off, you know, like 30 or 40 people in the audience. They all left. He waited for them to leave. And he's like, good, now we can begin. And then went into his show. That's a very effective technique. Very efficient. Yeah. Yeah, I admire it, that. Yeah, it let him talk about the things he actually wanted to talk about without getting yelled at a bunch. So mm -hmm. good on him. And good on Garibaldi here, whose gold line tracer goes off. Yes, um, it sounds so fancy. It does. But he, he gets stopped mid-trace by some intrusion countermeasure electronics, leading to the only time in Jerry Doyle's career where he cursed ice. Conservative <laughs> media jokes. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I loved Jerry Doyle. And yeah. then his later career just baffled me. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why. Anyways, we joined Sinclair, who's taken Tully out to dinner. I wondered about this. Obviously, the scene is just here to A, show us fresh air, and mm -hmm. B, show us that Adira and Londo are hanging all over each other and, yeah. and enjoying each other's company a lot. But I was like, why is Sinclair taking her out to dinner? And why is she dressed up? If my boss invited me out to dinner, I probably wouldn't have put on that outfit. You know, yeah. if we're talking more business is what I would assume if my boss mm -hmm. took me out to dinner, uh, then I would just be normal. <laughs> but she is very dolled up. She's dressed to the nines for sure. Mm -hmm. I can't help this scene. I feel like the scene exists solely for JMS to force her to say intensely erotic. That's what this whole thing felt like a frame for. Uh-huh. Like yeah. I said, that other conversation, the least skeezy thing to happen in this episode. There's a lot to unpack here about gender relations in the 90s, women in the workplace in the mm -hmm. 90s. Like, there's a lot there. And I do wonder, thinking back to my opener about what we pretend to be and how I absorbed a lot of things from my media when I was a child, I did watch this episode wondering, like, wow, was this good for me? as a little girl in the 90s yeah. to be watching this show. I And, you know, obviously I've come out okay. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm mostly fine. I mean, but... for as much as I know you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I wonder, I'm like, did I absorb some bad things from the show? And I think that as long as we question ourselves on these things, sometimes we're, we're probably doing the right thing. It's when you don't question. Yeah, for sure. Have a problem. So... I don't remember if I watched this one when I was a kid or not. I'm sure I missed episodes. Mm -hmm. I know I did because I there's actually two episodes that I found out I missed when I was re-watching this last time. I had two mm -hmm. episodes that I had absolutely no recollection of. And they're incredibly plot important episodes. And it occurred to me that I had never realized uh, a huge ending of one of the story arcs I just missed between these right. two episodes. I definitely remember this one because I remembered Adira because she was a beautiful young woman and yeah. that made an impression on me. There you go. So. We get a moment of Ivanova telling Garibaldi he's crazy. I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. You could give me a two-hour movie of this. Yes. Of just Ivanova giving Garibaldi shit for being insane like you're imagining things. <laughs> I would watch hours upon hours of this. Just spoon feed it to me, throw it in an IV, whatever it takes. I'm here for it. It was, it's excellent. I think we learned something about Jaffer just now. 
<laughs> but she is really good. I love it. You're not not wrong. <laughs> not no, just not wrong. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's anyways, one, that's one of the um, double negatives. Anyways, we go back to Lando and Adira, and she shrugs his ass, and he is like out immediately. Like she like puts something mm-hmm. in his drink. He's all like, "Oh, my champagne!" And then he is instantly unconscious. Yes, this made me feel things. Having had a friend who was drugged in a club once. And having to drag his ass out and take care and the whole deal. Definitely some memories there for me that are not great. But also, this worked way too fast. I mean, it's future Mm -hmm. space drugs. But what's the practical application of this? Well, I suppose just you're knocking someone out. It seems like it's so quick. Like, you wouldn't want it to work that quick, I would think. That seems unhealthy. Uh, What if they had just been standing and he drank it? mm -hmm. You're just fallen. But I, I mean, it's not like you care about the other person's health. You're drugging them. Right. So, <laughs> their, their opinion on the matter clearly doesn't matter to you. Lando is drugged and gives away his password. Wine Women's Song, which is only 13 characters, has no numbers or special characters. Oh, man. It's a shitty password. <laughs> Someone does need to talk to him about password security. I will happily have that conversation with him. I have to have it all the time with people. Why can't yeah. I use this as a password? I get angry customers who want to talk to the manager about why the password can't be things sometimes. It's just all like, let me explain to you password security. I guess that's part of my job now. You know, I totally understand what makes a password more secure. Mm-hmm. I just wish that every system that I use at work didn't have different requirements. <laughs> like You've just got to find the one that works. Yeah. There is one that works, and then you have to find another one that works three months later, probably three to six, depending on. But it seems like I'll have a system that's like, it must be at least this many characters and have this many numbers and this many special characters. And then I'll get on another system and it's like, well, it must be this long, but it can't have any special characters. Oh, yeah. Especially the archaic stuff. It's like some stuff, sometimes you'll hit ones that are like, can't be more than eight characters. Which is just madness. Madness. Yeah. His password is better than one, two, three, four, though. Which is, of course, something an idiot would have on his luggage. Well, did it work? Where's the key? It worked, sir. We have the combination. Great. What's the combination? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. That's amazing. I've got the same combination on my luggage. Right. I'm glad you got that reference. I've made that reference before at work with the same thing, and nobody's gotten it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's I'm terrible. always here for the Spaceballs drop. Always. Okay. okay. I'm glad. So Lando's out cold. Veer wakes him up and he finds the heirloom pin and his empty glass. And Lando is so desperate to find out what happens. He puts Veer in charge of the negotiations. I love this bit. (laughs) Don't give away the home world. (laughs) I was just. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's perfect both times it's in this episode. Yep. Dira uh, goes to meet with her owner, goes on the run. And Trakis and Londo meet outside of Adira's quarters, where Londo gets told that Adira is a Narn agent. Yes. Yeah, that's rude. The Trakis trying to play it off. I, I'm sitting there like, if she is Trakis's property, and mm-hmm. I'm Londo hearing all this for the first time, my mind would immediately go to, 
this is your instructions. She's not just stealing yeah, this for... right? Yeah, I wouldn't believe Trackett's for a second. And maybe he doesn't. He just doesn't explicitly say, I don't believe you. Yeah, I mean, he is pretty swept up in things at mm-hmm. the moment. We do get a little world building here because, of course, the Centauri have legalized slavery. He, like, pulls out paperwork and is just like, nope, mm-hmm. this is for real. Yeah, um, I find it so hard to believe that a species that would still subscribe to an idea like slavery would achieve space travel but that's so optimistic yeah i really appreciate how optimistic that is oh oh me not okay (laughs) i i don't know i just it's it's a waste of so much intellectual power intellectual real estate Mm -hmm. to treat people in that way Uh, i think back to and i this might be a myth, but there's there's a story about Bill Gates giving a speech, I believe, in Saudi Arabia. And he's giving it to there's half the room is men and half the room is women. And there's a divider mm-hmm. between the two. And he tells them that they're the thing holding their country back is that they are separating half of their intellectual power from the other half. And not not using those ideas that are coming from half of their workforce. Yeah. And it seems like it would be hard as a whole species and civilization to achieve space travel and big lofty ideas like that if you cut off half of your... Well, and we don't know how much of Centauri society is possibly enslaved. Yeah. But I mean, it seems like it would be hard. Yeah. I mean, and we don't know the economic conditions. Like it could just be that they call it slavery and it's really more like indentured servitude or something where it's all despicable regardless, just to be absolutely clear. I'm not trying to excuse slavery in any way. Fuck all mm-hmm. of it. Um, yeah. Just, just that said aloud, but you know, it could be something where it's something that you maybe volunteer for you sell yourself like yeah, that. He does mention um, that almost she like is a military service kind of thing. Right. But yeah, it's it's real fucky. I would also like to think the more I think about it, I would really like to think that you wouldn't progress that far as society being that backwards to yeah. members of your society. I'm just going to keep being optimistic and hope for that. <laughs> That's it's a fantastic, fantastic viewpoint. Yeah, I, I hope that we can maybe get ourselves to space. Wink, wink. By maybe getting rid of some of outdated ideas. Nice. I'd settle for getting rid of the outdated ideas, but space is cool. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Jakar finds out that Veer was sent to negotiate a response in kind, putting his assistant in charge Mm -hmm. straight down to don't give away the home world. Yeah. Really good. Um, Really good. Delightful. (laughs) Yeah. The just the mirroring of their actions in kind to each other of uh, Lando and Jakar. It's that hinting. It's important of things to come for sure. Yeah, it's and it's hinting at how alike they are, Mm -hmm. even though they don't acknowledge that. They would hate. Yeah, they'd hate that you said it. Yeah, yeah. But there they are. Sinclair goes to Londo and agrees to help in exchange for his treaty compromise. Mm -hmm. Londo says, "I'll seal it with a kiss." Sinclair changes into some civvies, and he looks like he just got out of horse riding with Paul Revere. Yeah, it's some interesting casual fashion. Yeah, 
Uh, Sinclair puts on his face, then goes to the dancers. Londo gets some information, but with the bug planted on him, so Trachis knows what's going on too. And we get an excuse to see some more of that Mantis outfit, which is just fantastic. I was going to say, I'm so glad Mr. Mantis came back. Let's go get some beer. I don't know, Zorak. I don't think my folks want me drinking beer. That's why we're doing it. All right. Yeah. (laughs) So they paid a lot for that costume, and they're going to get the most use out of it they can. It's the Babylon 5 way. And I really, really hope, I was like, I don't remember if this guy shows up again in other seasons, but I really want him to. So I, I scrubbed this to 3207, but that was on Voodoo. So hopefully they haven't always lined up with HBO. So it might not be quite the scene, but we have two guys that I could only describe as a movie poster for the 1991 film Space Gangsters. Oh my gosh, yes, right? I, I was going to call this guy Space Chuck Norris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like gla- the the glasses and the beard and just all there mm-hmm. man <laughs> yeah i did wonder too speaking of the costumes here you know the civilian costumes do you think that londo had to take off the wig for that hooded cape that he's wearing because it's late it's... take it down no he doesn't not once then probably nope. yeah yeah, and it's laying it's laying really well. Like there's not a big wig under there. <laughs> you could tell me that that wig is supported by steel wire and I would believe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to be something. So I'm thinking he wasn't wearing the wig in the scene. That is my hypothesis. I subscribe to your podcast. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Here for that. After this, we go back to the B plot. Uh, Garibaldi uh, plays his hunch and finds out that Mm -hmm. Ivanova was using the unauthorized gold channel communications to talk to her dad, who is dying. Yeah. And they have the realest talk. Mm -hmm. It is just, it is heartbreaking. It is really sad. I just. It makes you wonder who in the writer's room had some dad issues that they needed to work out right here yeah like it's it's real fucking heavy Mm -hmm. it reminds me a little bit there's a another podcast i hate to recommend a podcast on our podcast go for it though that they they were called why are dads and they were exploring like the relationship that we have with our dads through pop culture and through movies and media they have changed their name and they're they're exploring a little bit wider psychological or philosophical relationship nature now and now they are you are good is the name of their their podcast now but it, it was that that podcast that got me thinking in this moment i was like oh this is some real dad moment that we're having here and establishing something for ivanova and it, you can tell it was incredibly personal for someone else. 100%. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. And Garibaldi shows us some understanding here. You know, he understands what he's going, what he's seen. He feels like a big old jackass. Yeah. Yep. Which, I mean, isn't necessarily like warranted, you know, like he was doing what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He um, was doing his job. And she was breaking the rules. Yep. But like you said at the top of this episode, she had just said something 
she probably wouldn't have had to have broken the rules and could have had her privacy. Mm-hmm. A whole B story could have been avoided here. Yep. After this, uh, we get a conversation with uh, Jakar, and so the highlight of which is uh, Jakar telling Sinclair, I didn't know you could be so devious, Commander. And Sinclair responding, coming from you, that's a real compliment. And I'm like, do you not remember when he put a nanotech, a, a nanorobot <laughs> in you? I just still haven't found. <laughs> These people have not been watching the previous episodes. Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. No. No, they're not up on their episode recaps. They really need to go back and watch last week's before the next one. I do feel like this is the first episode with the real Jakar, though. Yes. Like, this is really, if you are watching for the first time, listener, and you have not enjoyed Jakar as a character at all, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden this episode, he clicks with you, you're in for a real freaking treat for the rest of the series, because this is going to be a lot of what you get from him in the future. Yes. This kind of more playful, not just evil kind of yeah. dude. He came off really strong. We're going to get to know him a lot better. And yep. this is the beginning. And uh, this leads to Sinclair and Lando getting Talia to break Psychor revel- regulations to save Adira's life. I like that we've had four episodes. And in two of them, we've had to convince a telepath to break regulations in order to save the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you build something like a telepath deus ex machina butt into your show, <laughs> you gotta it's hard press not it. to press it. Yeah. And I just got to say, like, Talia's rude as fuck here. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. When Londo says that the, there's a woman's life at stake, not to mention his career. And she says, yeah. So do you really think this woman might die? Yeah, well, no, she I mean, doesn't give she doesn't give two shits about Londo's career. <laughs> well, no, no, that's that's one hundred percent fair. Yeah. No, um, in the next scene is where she's rude as fuck oh, because okay, she's insisting okay. that she won't deep scan this guy to save this woman's life. Mm-hmm. Right? She's like, no, I won't. Only surface thoughts. I'm not going to break the rules to save this woman's life, but I will list off a bunch of stuff you can't think about so that you think about it, so I don't break the rules. <laughs> What bullshit? That is rude, Talia. Just do the thing. Talia has like, played this game before. Yeah, it's definitely it's like if you actually cared, you'd do what was necessary, right? <laughs> just do the thing. Save the woman's life, right? You don't need to be like crafty bullshit to work around your regulations. And like, uh-huh. don't think about where this person is. It's just like, this, just do the thing. Yeah, this definitely tells us a lot about Psychor, and we now have two Psychor employees, if you will, mm-hmm. that we've been very easily able to convince them, yes, you need to do the right thing. And they figure out a crafty kind of way to get around it. It's almost like oppressive systems don't really work. <laughs> right. It's weird. I mean, it does show like how deeply brainwashed these people are into Psychor land, mm-hmm. which is pertinent knowledge for later. So this guy freaks out. He's like, oh, I thought about the thing you told me not to think about. And Londo <laughs> just straight knocks him out and gives him the boots. He gets his secrets back. And then he j- thanks Jakar for saving his career and the honor of the Centauri Republic. Yep. And I'm just like, chef's kiss. 
That's beautiful. <laughs> he definitely did not need to do that. He didn't. He didn't need to do that. But that's probably the only justifiable revenge he can get on Jakar for two episodes ago. It's true. Yeah. Um. The the reasonable thing would be to be to tell tell him you've just saved someone's life, and instead we say the yeah. thing that he's going to hate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Also, you save some woman's life. You don't care. Yeah, about that. <laughs> just she's just a woman. It's not a big deal. Yeah, just the finest thing in life, female. So oh, it's so bad. So yeah, Jakar is really hilarious here for someone who committed war crimes. Yeah, he's it's it's very slapstick for this little scene. You could you could throw a little da 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 da, da on the end of this. Like that's how. <laughs> After this, we get a scene in scene C where Garibaldi lets Ivanova know that he knows. Mm-hmm. but also just lets her off the hook, which is good. And we get a little bit of like, hey, you know, I know I'm not going to meet you for a drink, but maybe later. Like, yeah, friends. Don't forget the thumbs up. Oh, friend. Oh, new friend. Oh. Yeah, like you, you haven't totally destroyed this relationship, but I can't be with you right now. I can't look at your face. <laughs> yep. And then we get my favorite part of the episode at the very end here, mm-hmm. because Lando sets Adira free. And she fucking leaves. Like, she yeah. fucking should. Yep. <laughs> and Londo like, totally, he just, it just totally flies over his head that maybe this woman who was being economically oppressed and slept with you and loved, and there might have been some genuine emotion there. She definitely mm-hmm. plays it that way. But maybe that someone who is a slave can't really consent to a relationship with you and it just flies right over his head (laughs) and even if even if she did Mm -hmm. she was in such a position where it's stockholm syndrome you know like it's it doesn't even matter right is that really consent yeah if you're being economically pushed into something or uh, theoretically you know trachis had that zappy glove yeah. that he used yeah, on somebody's face yeah threat of violence or e- economic threats like oh londo just, yeah yeah really out he's of got this whole i freed you after you drugged me and i'm not saying you owe me but uh-huh. and i'm just like i hate that vibe and i'm so glad that she just like took that through it in his fucking face and beast yeah it's yeah. really the appropriate action there i definitely found myself wondering if I know that we get <clears throat> more females involved with Mondo, but I don't yeah. remember if Adira is going to come back or not. She does in one episode. I won't ruin it. And that's the episode. We leave on that. Yeah, this one was a little harder for me because there are parts of it are, that are very funny, but it is a little bit dark. It's Yeah, it's dark episode. Yeah, I came into this like, I'm not sure how I'm going to make jokes about it. <laughs> but I'm glad you had... Lots of jokes available. Um, I had some jokes. Yeah. There are things that deserve to be made fun of in this episode, for sure. For sure. But it, you said in episode two that we start to see Londo's turnaround from the pilot, where we start to see a little bit darker side of Londo, or mm-hmm. th- th- that Londo is going to go on a dark path Yeah, in that episode. And I see that accelerating here. Because he definitely has this opportunity to confront maybe the unfairness and the things that are wrong with Centauri society 
of the mm-hmm. past. And instead, he does keep going with that back to the glory days mentality. Yeah. And he really got slapped in the face in this episode with some of those realities. But he chooses to ignore that. Yeah. Ignore that message. So. Yeah, he does. Adira lives rent-free in Lando's mind for the rest of the series. She is referenced a great deal mm-hmm. as the story progresses. And he seems to think in a lot of what I remember about the show that returning to those glory days is going to fix everything that's wrong. Yeah. And it's like, sorry, Londo, those glory days are what got Adira where she was. It's true. 100%. And it's also why she left you. Mm-hmm. So... Because you're just an old Republican dreaming of the glory days. Mitch McConnell. I want to pull up now what the next one is. We have season one, episode four, Infection. That doesn't sound like it's going to get lighter. (laughs) No. An artifact brought on to Babylon 5 by Dr. Franklin's mentor turns his assistant into a killing machine. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with this episode, listener. Hope that it didn't cause you any distress. And thank you to Jeremy Siegel for providing our music for this podcast. And if you like Jeremy, please go check him out on Bandcamp. He's got some great stuff up there. And that's Jeremy Siegel42 at Bandcamp.com. And we'll see you next week. That's all, folks.